And the reaction was intense last night on social media when Kyler Murray connected with DeAndre Hopkins for the game-winning Hail Mary, or as they're calling it, the Hail Murray. LeBron James making it known. Uh, and also Patrick Mahomes. DeAndre Hopkins is a monster, man. And, uh, you know, every time something like that happens, it dusts off. The why in the hell did the Texans trade DeAndre Man, Hopkins right? talk? I'm eating the I'm eating well, that crap every day. Every Sunday I gotta eat that. Well, I understood why they did it when they did it right. and what they were trying to do, but maybe it's not something they should have wanted to do. Maybe you should want to pay DeAndre Hopkins when he's making noise about getting his contract restructured and getting a raise even though he's got multiple years left and philosophically we don't do you know these teams say well we don't do that well sometimes you better do it because your alternative is you trade him to another team and he's going to continue to exist he's going to continue to play you are assuming the risk that the player is going to make you look bad for trading him right so they got they got plenty of issues in Houston right now and uh, hey when you make the head coach the general manager instead of hiring a general manager and you don't have a second voice that is strong enough and has the football chops and credentials to push back on something like this. I mean, there's talk now that Jack Easterby, who's claimed basically control of the organization, is saying to people, oh, I should have pushed back on these. No one's going to listen to you, Jack. You don't, you, you, you're, you're not coming to the table with any juice. You can't push back. They needed a general manager there, a real general manager there, to push back on what Bill O'Brien wanted to do. Because I think that's what he needed, Chris. That's one of the problems of putting all the power in one guy. Yeah. If you don't have someone else there, you don't have, you know, you and I have those disagreements from time to time. Right. And actually, we, we, one of us emerges from the discussion better off. Yeah. You need to have a strong voice that can say, hey, wait, you know, you may be wrong here. No, I mean, uh, agreed. Uh, checks and balances of an organization, they're important. They really are. The good ones have those, you know, types of conversations or GMs, coaches, presidents who can challenge each other. They're willing to accept their thoughts, maybe not always agree, but I think that's where we've seen a lot of successful ones that kind of have that staying power in the NFL they all have that in common. And, yeah, there was obviously an issue, a lot of issues down there in Houston. It's not a good look for them. And, you know, of course, it wasn't a good look for them yesterday. And they, they missed DeAndre Hopkins. There's no doubt. You're right. But, yeah, there's issues in that franchise, and we're just, we're just seeing the start of it, and we'll see where it goes. We need to move on to superlatives. But let me say this, because I feel like this isn't getting nearly enough attention. The idea that Easterby has basically taken over that team – when it came out yesterday, one of the Sunday Splash reports that Romeo Cornell has a good chance to be the head coach of the team in 2021 because of the pandemic and it's harder to search for. That's ridiculous. That's insane. You, yeah, all business is being done remotely now. You don't need to be in the room with a guy to properly vet and interview a head coaching candidate. But my immediate takeaway was this is Easterby potentially remaining the interim GM for another year. And if you do it long enough and you manage to do it well enough, you just end up having the job. And if it doesn't work out, you don't get fired. You just go back to being the executive VP of football operations. He's found an accountability loophole, Chris, where he can give the test run to the GM job. And uh, again, if it doesn't work, you go back to being the executive VP of football operations and you hire a GM who answers to you. So just keep an eye on what's happening in yeah, Houston. Yeah, if they do it's, that. It's very unconventional. If it's they very do unconventional. That, and, they, they're, they're, and they, listen, I, uh, Romeo Cornell, like, love the human being. Where he's at at this point of his career and where the Houston Texans are as a franchise, no. 
if they if they take him as the head coach at his age right now, and Deshaun Watson, young quarterback in the peak of his prime, the defense is not good. Romeo Cornell's a defensive coach, and you have a star quarterback. That that would be a pitiful move. As much respect as I have for him, it has nothing to do with Romeo Cornell. It has more to do with the situation of the players of the Houston Texans. Uh, I, I would certainly think less of them if they did that. And ultimately, see, this is the beauty of professional sports or, or the opposite of beauty, the ugliness of professional sports. Uh, the owner ultimately decides what's going to go on in his or her shop. And is, that's the only audience that matters. It's the audience of one. And as long as Easterby sells Cal McNair on this approach, it, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. Cal McNair makes the decisions and moves forward, and he can't be fired. Everybody else can be fired. He can't be fired. All right, superlatives time. Chris, for week 10, what's your first one? Vader is not dead. Death Vader lives in Foxborough still. I mean, I just I, we haven't really – I know we hit on it Did a little bit. Did you say Death Vader? I might have you said – You know that's it's not the yeah, name. Yeah, it's Darth Vader. I might have said Death Vader. I don't know. It's early in the morning, <laughs> and you know, I, I might have said that, yes. But they're not dead, Darth Vader, is what I want to say. All right? And, I mean, that – first off. It just, how could we be, New England's unbelievable. They really are. I mean, nobody gave them a chance last night. Big, bad Baltimore. I mean, the, the Patriots defense, it's been a little bit all over the place. I mean, we, you don't know how good they can be. But no Stephon Gilmore. To bottle up that attack by Lamar Jackson and company, I mean, their inability to you know, run the ball and dominate the game that way. That was really impressive. I mean, it just speaks to Bill Belichick, his son as well, the great things they do on the defensive side of the ball. It just shows you that, you know, COVID-19 and all those things, how great of a coach Bill is. I mean, he's their greatest asset. Here they are, you know, back in the building a lot. And, I mean, really, they've played three pretty perfect games in a row. They're not that talented. But Buffalo, they're driving to win. Cam fumbles. Yeah, okay. They played it perfect, though. Coached it perfect. Cam played it perfect. Last week against the Jets, kind of the same thing. Yeah, they let up some big plays in the pass game. That ended up burning them in the Jets game. But still, it was coached perfect. Cam Newton played it perfect. And again, that happened again last night. They have no room for error, but they seem to make it happen. And, you know, just the physicality in which they played, you know, they weren't sloppy. You know, other Baltimore, we're seeing snaps go all over the place. The interception by Lamar Jackson before the start of the first uh, end of the first half. That was a huge moment. Uh, I just got to give credit to New England. When we count them out, they're just never dead. They're unreal. You know, our, our power Rodney Harrison, a Patriots Hall of Famer, was giving me a hard time within the past week or so on this idea that I keep pushing that the best teams in the AFC do not want to see the Patriots in the playoffs. And Roddy's argument is, oh, the Patriots aren't any good. They aren't any good. It's like, yeah, but if they if they get to the point where they're good enough to qualify, they're going to be held a lot better than they are now. That's my point. If they find a way yeah. to fix this on the fly, right. if they find a way to win enough games to take that seventh seed, you'd much rather, all due respect to the Browns, if you're the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Bills, the Ravens, you want the Browns, not the Patriots, to come waltzing into your building in January. I would. Yeah. All due respect to the Browns. Right. You don't want Bill Belichick in a single elimination setting. Because here's, here's the reality. 
He was in a single elimination setting as a practical matter last night. Yeah. He was in a single elimination setting last Monday night. They could be the team this year because there's always one of them, and they're never in this posture because they're always great. They could be that team that finds themselves in playoff mode around Thanksgiving and just has to win and win and win and win because they know if they don't, that's it. And so by the time you get to playoff mode and you've been in it, when you get to the real playoffs – and you've been playing for your season every week for yeah. six weeks. You've got the mindset. You're battle tested. And you're going against, and you're, and you're, and you're going against right. a team that's like, you know, they've had it easier. And uh, they've never they've never had their backs against the wall. And that's why we see these upsets from time to time in the postseason. Because you've got a team that, that is in midseason, postseason form, if yes. that makes any sense. No, that, that does make sense. You're right. I mean, hey, we've seen the Patriots do that. They started off their dynasty doing that kind of thing. Whereas... You know, Brady. They were five and five. They were five and five. Five and five. Right. They had a fight for life, and they every week was a playoff game, and that just continued right to them winning the Super Bowl. So uh, we'll see where it goes. But you see, they have a formula, and they have some elite things they have. I mean, you mentioned it. Belichick's elite. The secondary is elite. I mean, they are, and that was without Stephon Gilmore last night, and their offensive line, I knew was really good, but I think after what I saw last night. That it's elite. I know Calais Campbell wasn't out there in company, but man, I mean, they gashed them at certain times. You don't see Baltimore get pushed around very often. It really jumps out to you when you see it. And that this is one of the few times in the last four or five years where I can remember Baltimore being dominated at the line of scrimmage like that. All right, first one for me. And, you know, this is a saying that's more common in New York, but they do say it in Pittsburgh too. They pretty much say it everywhere. <laughs> And uh, I've got your trap right here is the yeah. award for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So much for a trap game. Uh, every time I've picked the Steelers to win seven times this year. The two times I picked against them, I thought they were ripe. And both times they blew an Ohio team off the field. Are you kidding me? With Ben Roethlisberger gone all week on the COVID-19 reserve list. With knees injury, not knee, knees injuries to Big Ben. And with... The Bengals having two weeks to get ready. Joe Burrow, see, this is the problem. We get smitten with these guys, and a rooting interest creeps in. Not that I'm rooting against the Steelers. I want Joe Burrow to be good. I want the Bengals to be good. It's a fun story, and I thought they could pull it off. And, my God, 36-10, to it was never even close. There was a moment when it was 12-0, and the Bengals scored, and it was 12-7. Like, ooh, ooh, here we go. Maybe we got something here. No, we didn't didn't have anything. The the Steelers – uh, the far superior team. And if they played like that every week, we'd have no qualms about saying they're going to go 16-0. and The problem is most weeks they're living on the edge. That's what's amazing. They've gotten to 9-0 and with seven of their wins. They could have gone either way. Yeah. That And, and, and that will, if they keep doing that, keep finding ways to win these close games, that will serve them well. It's nice every once in a while to you know put the pedal to the metal and not have to sweat it out all the way through to the end of the fourth quarter yeah well hopefully that Cowboys game taught them something because we we have at least seen them put some teams away here as of late to where we start to go oh okay here man the Pittsburgh team when they're hitting they're looking good I mean and you know I just can't say enough about Big Ben you know again he just he's playing the game the right way week after week that's the thing I think that jumps out to me more than anything Big Ben in the old days, he was good for, oh, 
man, you know, we're controlling the game and here's a dumb interception or, you know, he tried to move around and hold the ball in the pocket too long and force the ball down the field when they were controlling it. And now the game's, you know, a toss up. We don't know where it's going to go. We just don't see any of those moments from Big Ben this year. He's kind of just like, okay, so what? It's ugly. Yep, it's ugly. We're hanging in there. It's 6 nothing. So what? I'm not going to make a mistake. We got a great defense. And they just slowly chip away until they find out how they want to attack you. And then we know they got some weapons at receiver. And, uh, yeah, they were they looked good yesterday, like you said, Mike. And then, yeah, I don't think Joe Burrow's seen quite a defense like that. I know he had a deal with Baltimore, but uh, this is – you know, different in their own right, where they can rush the passer and do all these crazy things, and they certainly gave Burrow in that passing game some issues yesterday. And 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 I think we're close to calling it in the AFC North. I know that the Ravens and the Steelers play in ten days on NBC Thanksgiving night, but the Ravens have the Titans this weekend. The Steelers have the Jaguars, and when you look at the rest of the schedule, the Steelers do have a game at Buffalo, but they 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 should be able to hold their edge over the Ravens, especially if they beat the Ravens in 10 nights. Uh, and I'm, I've resolved that I am not picking against the Steelers again the rest of the year. I, they could lose every game between now and Week 17. I'll still pick them to win Week 17. Uh, they, 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 just, they have that magic. You know, we look for the team of destiny every year, and I think there's only one team right now that stands out with that label. And it's like people don't want to accept it. I don't know why, because they don't have – you know, they don't have the great all-time GOAT quarterback like yeah. a Tom Brady. Right. And they don't have the shiny new toy, yes. you know, like a Kyler Murray. And we take everything for granted that You're they're right. doing. Um, but but I think they're the team right now that you have to look at. What team stands out as the most special team right now? It's them. I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think you're right there. I mean, if there's one team that stands above the rest, I'm going to put them there, you know, just slightly above Kansas City as far as having that special mojo. But, yeah, they've had a little bit more of a mojo to them this year, certainly, and they got a little magic and seem to have great self-belief and just it all going in the right direction. So I agree with you there. There's no doubt. Um, what well, do you want to see? Give me, your, give me your preferred right now AFC and NFC championship games. Oh, what are your preferred games right now? I think obviously I'll, Steelers Chiefs in the AFC. Can we agree on that? Yes, I'd want to see Steelers Chiefs. I got no. Yep, agreed there. And then in the NFC, uh, oh man, I don't even know. The NFC is brutal, brutal. Because I'd love to see Breeze and Brady. Right, that would be great. I'd love to see any of them versus Aaron Rodgers. I'd love to see any of them versus Russell Wilson. I'd love to see any of them versus Kyler Murray. It's very confusing. I don't know where to go there. I think. Really, listen, in my heart of hearts, you know me, I want to see Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. That's what I want to see. As much as I love Brady and the breeze and the story there, I guess if you're going to ask me right now, November, I don't know what day it is, I'm going to go with that one. 16th, by the way. 16th, 16th okay. Here Monday. we go. Woo. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson would be the most compelling, even though we're going to see it again I know. That's what, Thursday. Yeah. I have a feeling after we see it again Thursday, we're going to be saying we want one more. Uh, or Saints-Bucks would be great. But it would be to see Kyler against Tom Brady. I mean, talk about the ultimate contrast in Seriously. age, in style, in everything. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, there, there's a bunch of different permutations in the mm. NFC that I wouldn't complain about. But, boy, we really want Steelers-Chiefs. You know, And think about that, folks. When you're rooting for upsets in the divisional round, we like chaos, but the aftermath of chaos is we get robbed 
of a potentially great championship game. Let's not go overboard rooting for chaos in the divisional round. I think we really want Steelers Chiefs to find a way to get together. All right, Chris, what's your next superlative? Uh, Meme this, okay? How about meme this? That's what Daniel Jones said to everybody in Philadelphia (laughs) and New York after yesterday. I mean, he see dro- that would have worked better. I got your meme right here. I got your. You're we right. Done that for hey, me, I for got New your York. meme right here. Hey, Philadelphia, go back to <laughs> Philadelphia, okay? I got your meme right here. I'm gonna run it in this time. I'm not gonna trip at the ten, okay? Forget about it. I mean, yeah. Hey, great payback for the New York Giants blowing that game against Philadelphia a few weeks ago. It was there to be had. They had a 21-10 lead. I mean. You know, like I said about Bill Belichick and everything like that, the one thing I respect about the Giants, and it's not as look pretty, but their approach to the game on a week-in, week-out basis is correct to where I always go, I understand what they're doing. Joe Judge has a cohesive game plan here. I think that's something to be excited about as a New York Giants football football fan, at least it is for me. But Daniel Jones, I mean, some big throws, but the running, that was really what put them over the top. You know, the touchdown, a few plays here and there where he kept it around the edge. And in a game where, hey, yeah, we all thought Philly would win and find some way to, ugly, you know, ugly pull it off like they usually do. That just didn't happen. And that was because of Daniel Jones. And it was because of the Giants defense, too. Man, is the Eagles offense an embarrassment. They really are. I don't know what else to say. And, and here's what amazes me about the Eagles yesterday. Doug Peterson is an Andy Reid disciple. And one of Andy Reid's greatest traits is if you give him extra time to prepare for a team, he will win. Yeah. For Doug Peterson to have an extra week to get ready for the Giants. I mean, this wasn't the Giants. This isn't the Giants. What have they been? You know, it's not like you're taking on a great opponent. And to not have it going was uh, was stunning. Here's Doug Peterson after the loss taking full blame for what happened it's on me you know that we play play the way we did today you know quite honestly um but i felt the energy was was good it's you know it is it's difficult obviously with without the fans but uh that's both teams have to deal with it and um you know can't make excuses for it i I was watching nfl network last night and there was the question posed on the screen, is Doug Peterson's job in jeopardy? And my thought was, really? Is it? Uh, could it be? The guy just won a Super Bowl three years ago. And Jeffrey Lurie's approach has been, now he hasn't fired many coaches, but after a second straight season of no playoffs, you're out. Well, Peterson's been to the playoffs the last three years. Yeah. So I, I, I can't imagine he'd be in any type of jeopardy, but boy, you got some some very anxious and nervous and hostile Eagles fans. And you, you have to wonder what he needs to do to avoid being on the hot seat next year. I think that's really the issue. If this keeps up next year, he and maybe Mike Zimmer, if the Vikings don't continue what they've done the past couple of weeks, are going to be at the top of the list of the guys that that really are under fire. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that would be a, a, certainly a possible scenario. I, I think it's crazy to talk about him being on the hot seat yet. I mean, you're right. I mean, come on. Super Bowl, playoffs, injuries, still going to the playoffs. I mean, that team they brought to the playoffs last year, you know, Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz, that, I mean, that, that was nothing special. They did that out of, you know, toughness, coaching, willpower, and just being gritty that way. Um, but there are concerns, and it's just it's always something every week. 
You know, it really is. It's just, you know, oh, man, this week the defense lets us down. This week it's Carson Wentz and turnovers. This week we can't run the football. This week we can't get a pass completion over 10 yards. Everyone is five yards. I mean, uh, it's just there's nothing pretty, nothing to hang your hat on, especially the offensive side of the ball. And uh, that's where it's disappointing because they were a little healthy yesterday. Miles Sanders was back. Alshon Jeffrey was back. Jalen Rieger's there. And to still put up that performance and go 0 for 9 on third down against the New York Giants with no great pass rushers and things like that, I mean, that to me uh, is shocking, shockingly bad. And, uh, yeah, they, they got issues. And, and they still – yeah, I I, I, the way the Giants are playing, maybe the Giants are going to catch them, but they're still in first place in the worst division in football. 10-26-1 is the combined record of the NFC East with only two wins outside of the division for the entire year. All right, I'm struggling with the next one. I'm trying to come up with a label that encapsulates the idea that the Raiders have gone to a place where everything is glitz and glamour and the Raiders all of a sudden are ground and pound. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Right? I mean, they, they went to the wrong city, right? Uh, so uh, the, 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 we'll call it the ground and pound award, uh, the misplaced ground and pound award, because, you know, you, you need to move to, to, to Cleveland or somewhere. I mean, this is not a Las Vegas thing. But yesterday, Josh Jacobs, yet again, the heart and soul of the offense, 21 carries for 112 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Booker, remember him? Second-round yeah. pick of the Broncos. Right. I thought he was long gone. 16 carries, 81 yards, two touchdowns rushing. Derek Carr had 154 passing yards on 25 attempts. The defense was awesome. The Raiders are 6-3. and three. Watch out for them, Chris. Yeah. I mean, the Raiders, with that running attack and their offensive line, you know, they, they can dominate games that way to where they don't have to take a lot of chances in the past game. They control the clock. Their defense is not super talented, but with them staying off the field and fresh, that gives them a great advantage that way too. It's one of greatest, Gruden's greatest assets. It always has been. He'll always be famous for throwing the ball and Rich Gannon and everything like that. But even in those days, he ran the ball. When we were in Tampa, we always used to talk about pound the rock, pound the rock. He is going to run the ball because he's going to establish some physicality. He's going to back a defense off from blitzing and doing things like that. And most of all, the way his team is built, it's built around their O-line. That was a big win. They're a tough football team. They might not be the most talented team in the, in the league, but they're tough week in and week out. I give John Gruden a lot of credit there. Uh, that was a, a, a dominant butt whooping they gave the Broncos yesterday. That average and Broncos defense. Real average. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Well, because they they made a whole like video of me calling. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We, we know. We Thank know. You. It's funny. I'm I'm having fun. They picked off Drew Locke, as you may have mentioned four times, and uh, the I we have to give the Raiders the respect that they are due, and and they're hey, Sunday night when Kansas City comes to town. I know the Chiefs. This is Andy Reid. Two weeks to get ready. And, and we're all, as I said earlier, we're all going to end up picking the Chiefs. I can't write the Raiders off. Maybe I'll take the short straw this week and take the Raiders while everybody else takes the Chiefs. And, of course, that'll be the week that the, the Chiefs ultimately win. All right, give me another one. Oh, I uh, forgot it was my turn there. Hold on a second. Do you have another one? <laughs> I, Do you have another one? Not one off the top of my head, so hold on a second. Let me think of one here. Oh, I, want, I do have one off the top of my head. Well, I want to do some of the, a little bit what you just said. The, the two-headed monster award. For those two in Cleveland, you know, you just talked about the two running backs and the Raiders, but the same thing in Cleveland. 
I mean, that day yesterday, holy weather. I mean, that was unreal there in Cleveland, but thank God they got a run game to rely on. And thank God they got two just absolute starting superstar running backs. I mean, it's getting to the point yesterday where you I can't tell which one's which. I, I really can't. They're both got legs and butts that can't fit in their uniform and they break tackles and run away from people. But Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were amazing yesterday. And really, Kareem Hunt was more amazing. Nick Chubb just had the big run at the end of the game. He had a real good game, don't get me wrong. But it was a Kareem Hunt day, but Nick Chubb got the big highlight where he stepped out at the end. But, man, you know, that's where the Kevin Stefanski coming from Minnesota. Listen, I know I gave Cleveland a little crap from hiring. That's where I'll give you credit. Their, their vision to know, wait, we got running backs. We got an offensive line. Maybe we should bring an offensive run-type head coach here. And that was really smart. And they're reaping the benefits of them right now and, and good for Cleveland. Another 6-3 and three team that, you know, what, hey, even in the year that we've expanded to 7, the AFC be a good team oh. that may get left out, which makes it even harder for the Patriots right? to get a spot at the table, which, which is to the extreme delight of the Steelers and the Chiefs and anyone else who would cross paths with New England in the postseason. Let's take a break. When we return... Extra large Sunday notebook. I talked to Nick Chubb. I talked to Ronald Jones. I talked to Tua. I talked to Kyler Murray. Man, talked to Marquez. You Valdez are big Scantling. time. We'll give you all the hi- hey. It's it's great to flash around those NBC credentials to get people on the phone. They wouldn't talk to me, but once I say NBC, oh well, then maybe we'll talk to you. I'll let you know what they had to say when PFT Live continues right after this. fact that he's out out and then I'm on the sidelines and I hear hey 17 said he wants to go back in look you might think that's a normal thing in this game maybe it was 10 years ago but you just see less and less of that happening I think there's more of a oh you know doc doesn't think I can go here maybe I should sit sit out the rest of the game but 17's built different Aaron Rodgers talking about Devontae Adams, who seemed to be out yesterday with an ankle injury, and he was trying to loosen up his hamstrings, and it looked like he wasn't going to be back in. He came back in. He scored the go-ahead touchdown for the Green Bay Packers, who moved to 7-2 and two and and, uh, and and tortured the guy who had $99,000 wagered on the Packers on the money line bet wow. at odds of minus 1,100 to only win $9,000. That the, what Whatever... You went, and obviously it's nine thousand. It's not worth the three hours of hell that that person had to go through, thinking that the ninety-nine thousand was going away and never coming back. And I spoke to Marquez Valdez Scantling, who had a great game, career high, hundred and forty-nine receiving yards, had a long catch and run for a touchdown earlier in the game from Aaron Rodgers. There's been this constant problem with the Packers at home this year. They don't have fans. They don't have energy. Coach Matt Lafleur mentioned to the reporters after the game. Valdez Scantling said, hey, it's on us as players to muster it, but he acknowledged to me. Yeah. Early on, they just didn't have it. If you watch the game, you could see it. It happened against the Vikings, and they lost. It happened against the Lions, and they finally found a way to turn it on. Right. The only team it didn't happen against was the Falcons. So in three of their four home games, the Packers have come out flat and sluggish 
And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's no fans in the stands there, Chris. Well, yeah, I mean, it's certainly a great advantage up there. Their fans, that, you know, setting is always special that way. I think the other thing is, too, I mean, you know, I don't want to be a jerk or anything, but I just, hey, yeah, they're 7-2, and two, but like we've discussed, like we've heard Coach Dungy in a few clips here today, it's just an underwhelming 7-2. and two. And, and, you know, I don't want to be that way. You know I love Aaron Rodgers and – Green Bay and I root for them that way but yeah they're just there's not any area of their team that's really dominant like really dominant except for 12 and 17 that's the one area where you can go no they're dominant and if you let them one-on-one they're gonna beat you it's kind of where you know they went into a lull yesterday with the game 17 to 10 big pass play to Devontae Adams he fumbles right sets up the short field Jacksonville 17 all and then Rodgers throws an interception, uh, you know, either the next drive or two drives later, you know, as they're down the midfield, and all of a sudden you're going, whoa, watch out, let alone they've already let a punt return happen, and the Jacksonville Jaguars are running the ball between the tackles almost at will all day long. So that's where it's weird with Green Bay. But when 12 and 17 are out there, they always got a chance. I asked Valdez Scantling how much grief J.K. Scott was going to get for that attempt to tackle Keelan, oh man, Keelan Cole, Keelan Cole uh, senior, yeah, yeah, and uh, he said none because he's paid to punt the ball. He's not paid to make the <laughs> good tackles. answer. Good so that's answer. a good teammate, very good teammate. <laughs> uh, I, I spoke to Tua Tonga-Vailoa as well, and that was a challenge because we're on the air as I got the call because so many late games yesterday. I wanted to try to talk to some of the guys who played in the bigger games of the day. And all due respect to the ten teams that played at one o'clock for the most part. Not a, not a great slate of early games <laughs> no, yesterday. It it's still football. It's still on TV, so we watch it. But uh, Tua, Tua said to me that the NFL isn't as hard as he thought it was going to be. Not that it isn't hard, but he expected a lot more different looks. And and this is a testament to Brian Flores. Tua Tagovailoa got to the point where he was confident in his abilities and believed he belonged at the NFL level because of practice, because the practices are so challenging that the games, in comparison, you know, are easy for him. And he—that's where he got to the point against a good scout team defense to get to the point where he he feels like he can do it. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think he's going to see more looks as he creates more film that defensive coordinators can break down once people get an understanding of what he's doing, why he's doing it. But he's very upbeat, very optimistic, very just just a great, great kid, and, and we want nothing but the best for him. And, you know, it was one year to the day since he suffered the broken hip at Alabama that ended his college career, and I asked him about the, the hits he's taken so far at the NFL level, and he said, uh, I, I've, I've already taken enough. I'm I'm fine. I don't want any more. But he understands that no matter what he does, that's going to be part of the game. Well, he's so easy to root for. He's got such a great smile, charisma, everything like that. Saw the talent again yesterday. You know, again, saw a few you know throws in the pocket where I just went, ooh, wow, that looked good. I mean, the way he can get the ball out of his hand and kind of dance his feet in around, it is special that way. It is. And, you know, to the point, too, Mike, where, hey, he's being coached well. He's being coached well. And Brian Flores coming from New England, they're not into like, oh, we want practice to be perfect and we want Tom Brady to be 27 for 27 and the ball never hits the ground. No, they don't They don't play that. You know, that's where I, I think a lot of teams mess up. No, they do. They make life hard. I remember working in New England. We'd have practices some, on, a, on a Friday sometimes. And I'd be like, man, Brady's like barely above 50%. 
You know, and it wasn't that he was doing bad, but they were challenging him. They weren't just going to give it like, hey, oh, you feel good. You threw the ball complete. Oh, yeah, we're good Sunday. We're going to win definitely. Practice was so great. They don't create that false narrative. It's always challenge, work, wait, what if they did this against that, even though we don't like it, we don't expect it, but what if? And that's where Flores is awesome, let alone he was coached by Nick Saban in college. So, yeah, he's ready. And they got a nice formula working and everything there, too. But the Dolphins, I mean, are they the hottest team in football? I, I think they are right now. They just find well, ways the Steelers, to win. Well, the Steelers well, are 9-0. Yes. and 0, but, but Just like yeah, the last the Dolphins, few weeks. It just Yeah, they're yeah. on fire. And, and, and they're so easily overlooked because they've been so mediocre to bad for so long. And, and when have we seen them in a big game in prime time? I mean, they're kind of just like there. Right. Yeah. If, if you're watching the entire league and following all 32 teams, the Dolphins are kind of there. They're creating some intriguing highlights. When you watch the games, they look pretty damn good, but they've yet to really arrive. We're waiting for that moment when they declare themselves and they, they, they have to wait until week 17 for another crack at the Bills. And that may be our yeah. last Sunday night of the season game because uh, it, it could be for all the marbles in the AFC East. But that, that may be when we get to see Tua and your boy Blue on the field at the same time. Chris, w why haven't we seen more exotic looks, though, for Tua in his first few games? I think that they haven't felt the need to. You know, I, I don't think that's right now. They're going, wait, we got a great defense. We're going to run the ball a little bit, you know, and then – what does he do really well? We've talked about the bootlegs and things like that. And, oh, it's one-on-one. -on -one. Hey, let's throw an out route or a fade. I, I just think they're, that they're comfortable playing that style of football. And they'll slowly start to indoctrinate him more and more into more and more offense and ideas and schemes and things like that. So I, I think they're playing a style of football that really this is how Brian Flores wants to play. I don't think he wanted to play – Ryan Fitzpatrick, 47 times a game, shotgun. Maybe he throws four touchdowns. Maybe he throws four interceptions this week. We don't know what Fitzpatrick. This is the way I think it's a defensive coach, and I think he likes his style. And then, I mean, there's special teams too. Look what they're doing. I mean, their special teams won the game yesterday. Block punt, one-yard touchdown. Oh, the Chargers jump off sides on a fourth and short and let Miami get the first down, they score another touchdown. I mean, it's just the Chargers are unbelievable. I've never seen a team invent more ways to lose a game on a week-to-week -week basis than them. But, but I've always heard it, it's like four to six weeks of game film, and then defenses are ready yeah. to take away what the quarterback wants to do, to frustrate him, to confuse him. I mean, I, I keep waiting for that moment when that there's a specific game plan that's designed – to address the things the Dolphins are trying to do with Tua, to remove those, to attack those, and to force something else. The Belichick approach. And whenever they play the Dolphins again, maybe that's when it'll happen, Chris. But but I keep waiting for that. Yeah. And, and maybe it's maybe it's a few weeks away. Well, yeah. And you know, again, they're just they're not having to be over reliant on him. You know, that's that's the big thing too. And they'll 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 defenses are going to figure out. I mean, yesterday you saw it wasn't beautiful, it wasn't pretty, but they just did enough. You know, I think they were all over some of the bootlegs and things that they saw last week out of Tua. So, yeah, they're going to have to continue to, you know, counterpunch off of, wait, this is what we've done, but we got to infuse something new to his attack here on a weekly basis to give us that advantage. But, man, you talk about a team that plays three phases of the game 
complete complimentary football week after week. It's three games in a row where you've seen defense, special teams, offense all work together, and they pull off upsets and, and wins, and they look damn good. One guy I had to talk to yesterday was Ronald Jones, who had 192 yards rushing, 98 of which came on one play. And I talked to him about how he used the available technologies. Who says technology isn't good? The available technologies at his disposable, or at his disposal, as the case may be, to, to avoid Jeremy Chin's effort to knock him down. Franchise record 98-yard touchdown. How, how'd your lungs feel on that run? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was cold turkey, you know, coming out of the halftime. So I felt good, you know, obviously did a great job. And uh, it had to be one man, two men, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that felt good. Definitely good. How much did you use the video board to see how close the guy was behind you? Yeah, I used it. I probably looked up too early, you know, uh, just put my head down the run, but uh, it definitely gave me a good sense of where he was. And then uh, I thought, you know, he's about to go for the legs, so I had to, you know, give him a little, uh, little, little hurdle, little step. And uh, yeah, it just felt good to get that, you know, get the team going like that. It, it really is neat to see when it's happening that the guy has the presence of mind to use that that video screen, which Daniel Jones didn't use when he fell flat on his face a few weeks ago. He thought somebody was close to him. You could see he wasn't looking up. Chris, if he looks up, he knows he's in the clear. He doesn't have to try to run faster than his body will carry him. Ronald Jones used it, knew exactly when to elude Jeremy Chin and gets the 98-yard touch. Yeah, it's amazing. I have no feel for that situation in my life. Uh, no point was I running away from defenders for touchdowns or looking up at a scoreboard. But, I mean, amazing. And just amazing by the Bucks, Ronald Jones. And, hey, let's not forget, 98-yard touchdown run, running back, got the ball in his hand. He should be slower. I mean, you got to be special fast to have that kind of long touchdown run in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. It was great to see. Great to see the Buccaneers turn it around after what we saw last Sunday night. When we return, Sunday surprise draft for Week 10. We'll do that on PFT Live right after this. Day one. How do you give up a Hail Mary throw? Three guys on him. Three guys. We just lost the game. We just lost the game. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. He called that. He called it. Cinco, cuatro, tres. Si, señor, joder. Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Hell Mary! F you! Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, 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 oh my god! <laughs> what, what was there? Was there a, 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 a Bills fan who got a, a one of Chris's favorite two-word messages during the uh, celebration? Come on, <laughs> man, be a good winner. Uh, that, that's it's always fun for the winners. To have moments like that for the losers, it's the agony. And there have been some crazy videos making the rounds of guys tearing TVs off the wall and unloading a clip into the TV. Oh that was gosh. a couple of weeks ago from the Cowboys fan. My goodness. But, uh, uh, yeah, Cardinals get it done. One of the big surprises of the day. It's Sunday surprise draft time. Chris, here's the trivia question. To determine the first pick, Ronald Jones became the fourth player in NFL history with at least 98 yards rushing for a touchdown. How many of the other... 
three can you name? Right. I don't know how many it takes for you to get it right, but well, how many can I mean, you name? Dorsett and Derrick Henry and now Ronald Jones and, man. The One more. I know. I and uh, well, Give me a clue here. Is it this era or is it, you know, like is there a decade you can give me a clue on there? I don't know it, so I, we can say I got it wrong, but I'd like to guess nonetheless. He played this century. He played this century. Damn, yes. I don't. I'm. I don't know, but I'm going to say Adrian Peterson, even though I don't think that's right. Yeah, he didn't have one that long. Was it Lamar Miller? Oh, Amon, Amon Green. Green. Amon Green. I remember wow. that. Amon Man, Green. gosh. Okay, go ahead. You got first. Lamar Miller had a couple of long ones, but I guess some not 90s. quite that. I long. think you're right. Yeah. All right. Uh, the the surprise for me, number one, uh, the. The, the Bucks are back in a big way, and I know that we want to be more specific, but when it's a total team failure, as bad as we saw it last Sunday night, to see it turn around that quickly was absolutely positively jarring. Even though I thought it would happen, you still had to see it. And it's like, and again, this is, this is why we love football, because you never know what's going to happen. But to go from that bad, three points, five rushing attempts, all-time record low to 46 points with the hundred with the 98-yard run and Tom Brady with 341 and four touchdowns. Just an unbelievable difference and uh, uh, just indicative of how crazy this season is. Yeah, and yeah, I mean a butt whooping on a team that you know we praise for hanging in there against every team they played this year. Every game is close with Carolina. This was not close. You know, and it was a complete football game, like you said. Offense, defense, dominated. They really did. Uh, they showed they were in a different class of the Carolina Panthers, so I'm with you. I mean, I, I think the Sunday surprise for me will still have to be what we started off the segment with. DeAndre Hopkins and triple coverage. I thought the game was over. I thought Kyler Murray was about to get sacked. I thought you were going to be wearing the Josh Allen jersey on Thursday, and now I'm wearing a Kyler Murray jersey on Thursday. That was the surprise of Sunday for me. I mean, it really was. That game went back and forth to where I just went, well, Buffalo's not going to pull it off today. You know, just not going to happen. I'm going to have to get my Kyle Murray jersey. And then all of a sudden, my boy Blue makes some plays and throws a, you know, a missile in the left end zone there. To, and I'm going, oh, yeah, baby. That's my boy, Blue. And then your guy had to come back and send me back to Jerseyville. I bought it last night. It's on Amazon. I'll have it by Tuesday. But thank you. That'll be the Sunday surprise. The way the Bills played it a little bit. But more just the fact that Hopkins went out, went up and got it. Unbelievable by him. I was fishing around a little bit last night in a roundabout way to get you a free one so you didn't have to buy it. And the observation that I made in my various communications in that regard was it'll be the first time in history that someone who wears the player's jersey is actually wearing a version 10 sizes larger than what the actual player wears. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, I wasn't sure what size to go with either. You know, it's been a long time since I bought a jersey. So I went with the double the XL. The biggest they make. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the double XL and then probably wear a hoodie underneath it on Thursday. One of those kind of looks, all right? So get ready for that. All right, I'm ready. Oh, I am ready. All right, next one for me. Nick Chubb running out of bounds at the one-yard line. Look, I was stunned by it. And I, it wasn't an obvious situation where you take the knee at the one, you pull the Brian Westbrook or what Todd Gurley tried to do a few weeks ago against the Lions. It's 10-7, to 7 and the Texans weren't going to score 10 points in the remaining time. It wasn't going to happen. And Nick Chubb told me after the game, Baker Mayfield said in the huddle, 
if you get the first down here, it was third and three with a minute seven left. If you get the first down, don't score. And uh, he probably should have taken a knee instead of running out of bounds to keep the clock going. But yeah. regardless, he, he, he had the presence of mind. He resisted the temptation. Despite the, the complaints he surely got on social media from fantasy football people and anyone who had the Browns giving three, uh, Brian Westbrook uh, chimed in because Westbrook was proud of what uh, Chubb did because Westbrook was the uh, the one of the original guys to make that that heady play. But uh, yeah, look, I, I was stunned because I I just it didn't scream out as a moment where you must take that knee there, you must go out of bounds there because the, they could have gone up seventeen seven and yeah, there's the no way the Texans are scoring right. ten points in the remaining. No way in hell. Watch, they probably would have. But there's no way they were going to. No, I no. You're right. He di- he didn't need to. Uh, either way, it shows that they're aware and thinking of the right things, definitely. And that, man, that run game is they're they're dominant. They really are. I mean, that big guy to be running that play to the left, stop, start, outrunning everybody down the sidelines. All right, my next one. I mean, I, I got to go to his last night. I got to. I mean, come on. There's no way. Biggest surprise of the weekend. I mean, New England controlled the game against the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, controlled it to where in the third quarter we thought, I just kept going, man, I I don't know. I don't think Baltimore can do this. It felt like New England was control from there on out. You know, they they get the touchdown to go up 20 to 10. Lamar Lamar Jackson, they, they have the fourth down. The ball gets snapped over Ingram's head. That gives New England the ball. They get the field goal. Now it's 23 to 10. I mean, but the fact of how they did it, and dominating the offensive line of scrimmage. I mean, we're just so used to seeing Baltimore do that to everybody else. And we saw New England give them a dose of their own medicine with their own running quarterback. And not that his running statistics were special, but, you know, the beauty of Cam Newton, once again, just like Lamar Jackson, is he kind of compromises your defense from what you want to do because you have to worry about some of the runs that pose a threat to your defense when the quarterback does keep it. But Bill Belichick, the trick plays – the defense, everything about it was a surprise. Biggest surprise of the weekend. Way to go, New England. Yeah, I, I, and I guess we should have seen it coming because that's the way it goes on Sunday night. Five of the last seven Sunday night it's games. Insane. The underdog has won straight up. All right, last one for me, Jalen Ramsey shutting down mm. DK Metcalf, which, I, I look, I know Jalen Ramsey's a great corner, but I thought DK Metcalf had got to the point where it doesn't matter. You're not going to shut the guy down. And to see DK Metcalf for the first time in his career kind of frustrated. There was a play where he thought he was open and and uh, Russell Wilson didn't throw it to him. And, and now they've got that issue. And look, everything's great when you're winning. That's where the pressure really sets in when you're losing and you lose two in a row. And now you got the short week and they got the Cardinals coming up. Remember, it was that last game against the Cardinals. They didn't go to him. And uh, maybe this time around against the Carter, who knows what they're going to do, Chris, but but he's going to want the ball in prime time after what happened yesterday. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's you know, that's where I was arguing, you know, when we start the show, you know, like Seattle, it's on Russell and DK and they just do it through matchup football sometimes. You know, they got to find some cheap ways to get him the football in days like yesterday. That to me would be you know, the next level for Seattle to go, okay, now what's the next step? What do we got to do when a team has this type of corner that plays us that way? You got to speed sweeps, wide receiver screens, whatever, pick plays. They got to get them the ball. You can't do that, Seattle. It's too important to your team. I think the next one I'll go to is I'm going to go to Pittsburgh, okay, because I think one of the surprise to me of the day is 
Yeah, a little bit the Pittsburgh defense and the way they played Joe Burrow and company. I, I, I got to say that. Not that I expected them to win the game. I know that. But I thought Joe Burrow and that offense, they've been playing well, moving the ball, and just about everybody have a short passing attack. At no point yesterday did you think they had any chance in that game offensively. You could see they were outclassed. They were outcoached, outschematic. And uh, I think that was a little surprising to me with how well Pittsburgh kind of dominated the play. Stunning to me. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, Monday Night Football, Vikings at Bears. We'll get you ready for it here on PFT Live right after this. This Thanksgiving, the Duttons are back. Yellowstone Season 3 starring Kevin Costner comes to Peacock exclusively on November 22nd. Whether you're a newcomer, am I reading the wrong thing? You got the Peacock print. That's I'm reading what's in front of me. See, this is a prime example of some people will read whatever you put in front of them. I was Yellowstone wondering is too, coming to Peacock yeah. on November 22nd. Yellowstone promo. But Peacock, this is on it's not it's on Peacock as of November 22nd. For now, though, Peacock, NBC Sports. That's our full lineup. All right. Who do you like tonight, Chris? Uh, I'm I'm going with the Bears. I think this is the type of game they can win. I do. I mean, first off, we know the Vikings, it's all about their run game, all that, that front seven for the Bears. And I just think, you know, your Vikings defense, because you're back on the bandwagon Stop. and a full-fledged fan again, uh, is just bad enough to where Nick Foles and that offense can make a few plays to win a 19-17, 20-17 type of game. I, I agree with you. The Vikings have a rough time at Soldier Field. We saw last year what happened when they tried the Dalvin Cook run the ball thing. It didn't work. He had 35 rushing yards. It sparked Stephon Diggs going AWOL for a couple of days. Adam Thielen calling out Kirk Cousins. As Cook goes, that offense goes. And if they shut him down, they got no chance tonight against the Bears. Chris, I'm with you. I think the Bears are going to win an old school black and blue division game. And uh, yeah, emotional hedge, right? I hear you, Casey. <laughs> Enjoy your Monday. See you at 5 o'clock for PFTPM. See ya.